Good morning traders and investors. Are you guys ready to get back into this market? Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, smaller banks coming in, Johnson & Johnson. We'll take a look at Lockheed Martin, GSK making deals out here, AI stocks of the day, ratings of the day, BABA, and of course, Christian Fromhertz. We got an action-packed show for you guys out there. Smash the like. Let's get right into it. Rise and shine, team. It's time for pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny with everything you need to start your trading day. All right, team, if I take a look at the S&P 500, I got the SPY up here, You're definitely getting a nice little uplift from the move yesterday. Nice little closing action from three to like four just really took off. Now we're up there towards 415 on the daily. I've talked about, will we get to the 418.31 mark? Get through that and continue pushing. We'll talk a little bit about that, of course, with Dennis Dick coming up. Let's take a look really quickly. USO, I really look at WTI, but I don't got the chart for that here. Um, down a little bit under 1% on WTI, about 80.72. When we look at the DXY, the dollar, um, dollar, what was my dollar D? I don't know. All right, I'll just give you guys a dollar. Dollar's at 101.70. Gold here is at 2060.60. Going to keep watching to see if gold can continue to make this move with the market. Not often do we see gold kind of ripping higher here. And I think that the gold move was with more of the bank concerns. So surprised not to see this trade turn around already. Let's go ahead. Let's bring in Dennis Dick here. Let's talk uh, a little bit about the market action yesterday. It was a pretty kind of interesting day because I feel like it started with a little bit of a tech sell-off. And it was kind of more like just, just a little bit of a pullback, a momentary pullback. I played it just for the momentum in the day, but I could quickly see how it was turning around, especially near the end of the day. And we could see we went right back through the opening price and actually closed higher there. So what did you see on the day, Dennis? I'm seeing the same thing, and it's getting the tech is getting bought on dips. Certain sectors are not getting bought on dip, dips. The, the tech stocks are. And I mean, I, we were talking about this over the course of the last month. Is tech outperform no matter what? Because we go to another banking crisis, tech outperforms because the banks will go down more. Some of the other cyclical, some of the stocks that, that depend more on borrowing will go down more than the tech stocks. And I think if we rally, I think it's going to be tech that leads us out of here. So I yeah. think there's still just the trade to be long tech and short, you know, maybe the S&P against it. Um, but you can't argue with the tape. I mean, this market wants to go higher. It does. If there's bad news, they're buying the bad news. Even State Street, they destroyed that stock. But by the end of the day, they came in buying the dip again. You can see the buy the dip mentality. The FOMO is there. They're using weakness to reposition their portfolios. I bought more stocks again in the long-term portfolio over the course of the last couple of days. I've bought Disney um, because just sitting here quiet. And you know what? If I'm wrong, 
about the recession, like if I'm like if there, we don't go into a recession, mm-hmm. Disney's going to be a good buy. If we do go into a recession, then I'm going to regret that buy. But I just got to get off 65% cash. So I haven't looked where I'm at. I've bought a couple of stocks. You know, I bought Palantir on the longer term. I've talked about that one. Um, I bought Disney. I bought some IWM. I got to look, you know, and, and analyze it. But I think I'm back to like probably about 55. It's not just as simple to look at it because the way in my long-term portfolio, I'm at BMO and the way they calculate it, I've got some GICs and they see those as investments. So it doesn't just say cash, even though a GIC is a guarantee investment certificate. It's just cash basically getting a, getting a guaranteed rate. So I have to back that stuff out. So I can't just look at it and just grab the number. But I think I'm probably, I'll look today. I think I'm probably down to about 55% cash. So I've been slowly nibbling back into some stocks. And I think that's just, you, you can't fight the tape. You can stay bearish as long as you want, but this market seems to be going up without you. So not going full bullish, not all in, not saying I'm margining my account and going all in, but I'm putting capital to work on stocks with pullbacks or stocks that haven't gone yet. Yeah. And I think what I can clearly say now that is, at least for me, unless there is a drastic change in uh, geopolitical events, that's the only thing that I could see us coming back and taking out those lows on the market. And that I could don't happen. feel that we that we go back down there. That's the only way I could feel it could happen. we get down there. Yo, uh, but, uh, uh, I, I don't think, think we could I trade that. It's always you know? an unknown too, like something, you know, something just materializes, new information. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were starting to get in the bull camp and then all of a sudden we had a regional banking crisis and I was like, I've got to, you know, sell some stocks here because I don't want to go through this. And, you know, and now we can see the regional banking crisis has subsided. We, even though they haven't rallied the carry, it's not going down anymore. It starts to make new lows. It'll concern me. But yesterday was a very good day for the KRE because you had State Street just get killed off the bat and you're like oh boy here we go KRE is going to take out the new lows but they came in they bought the dip in the KRE and they bought the dip in state street and schwab was down at one time they turned around key reversal there and bought schwab as well you know i've been watching those stocks too so i just think you know what if you look even like while i was picking on iwm i'm picking on stuff that really hasn't gone yet you could say oh well, you're buying the laggards and they're lagging for a reason i actually love that iwm trade man i i, I was looking We're at consolidation it station here don't you yeah. think mitch like doesn't it look like you know eventually here like it wants to break out through 180 doesn't it feel like it wants to break out and i mean the 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 small caps have underperformed for a long time and you know me i'm a value guy the, the P on the IWM is lower than the S&P. I'm not chasing Microsoft here. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're going to a momentum market and you want to just jump in, chase Microsoft, chase NVIDIA. That's what the analysts are doing. They're chasing all that stuff. But I feel like if we're going to go, you know, and this market's going to really turn around, it's going to be small caps and it's going to be other stuff that helps along too. So some of this stuff just hasn't gone. I mean, you know, if you were selling stocks last year, IWM, 240, 230, 220, 210, 200, you're not buying that far from the lows right now. 162, I was picking up at 173 last week. I mean, you're literally, like you could say, oh, you're missing the whole run. Well, it hasn't even gone yet. So I think there's a catch-up trade potentially here in some stocks. I mean, Disney's the same story. I, I wish I would have bought Disney at 90. I talked about 90. I didn't pull the trigger there. It almost got there on this recent pullback because, you know, I, I sold it back in February when it went from the 90 up to the, like, it went 123 after hours. Um, I had sold it ahead, so I think I sold it like 110 or 112 because I didn't want to take it through the print. 
Uh, but then it's come all the way back down to where I bought originally. So I wish I would have rebought my Disney at 90.91. I didn't, but I reloaded it here. So I've scalped myself 10 points um, because I sold up at 110 or 111. So I'm back in my Disney position. Since we're talking about Disney, we might as well just bring in, of course, uh, Netflix will be reporting earnings after the bell today. Are you concerned about Netflix having an effect on Disney tonight? Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, but I also think that Netflix, I'm really bullish on this subscriber, you know, this 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 cut down uh, on the cut down. password sharing. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I, I look, you know, and I think, well, you know, I can't share passwords anymore. Some people are going to say, well, I like watching Netflix. I'm going to go pick, I'm going to go pay the $15 a month. I don't see why it goes down. I don't see why, you know, this, you know, like maybe some people are thinking, oh, well, you can't password share. So people are splitting the bill. $3, $3, $3. Anything, three bucks, five bucks, 15 bucks. I mean, it's still cheap entertainment a month. And if we're not going to recession, it's not going to get cut. If we are going to recession, I'm wrong about all this. And people saying Dennis getting bullish now is scary. Dennis is not full bullish. Dennis is just getting off some cash. Dennis is playing it cautious also from the long side too. I'm not merging in. I'm not full bullish here, but I can't stay full bearish either. So I've kind of moved to my neutral stance overall. You know I've been trading market neutral for months, but I had the bearish stance going in the in the long-term portfolio, and I can't do that anymore. So I'm going into stocks that haven't really gone yet. You know, I'm not chasing Microsoft. I'm not chasing Amazon. I, well, actually, I was already in Amazon, but I'm not chasing Apple. I'm not chasing, you know, some of these stocks that have really win, NVIDIA, Teslas, that are, that are up 100% this year. But there's a lot of stock still sitting not that far from the lows. So you can complain all you want about the S&P. Oh, I didn't buy it back then. But then you look at the IWM and you're like, well, you got an opportunity to buy not too far from the lows. All right. Well, let's get out of Netflix and Disney talk. I did want to just kind of mention overall in the macro situation, uh, it looks like we got some good uh, first quarter uh, numbers for China's economy. So, of course, we could just take a look at C-Web up today. Is China a play to look at? Of course, who knows? We've been getting our tech stocks to rally, right? Will we see China's uh, tech stocks rally just like this, right? They grew at a faster pace than expected at 4.5% in the first quarter. What do you think about China's stocks, Dennis? Um, Baba. It looks interesting here. Yeah, I mean, it does. It it bounced. You know, it put the little double bottom in. We'll go ninety three fifty eight, and then two days later, ninety three. Does it want one hundred? News. You know, there's a catch up trade here in China too. I mean, again, if you're the momentum guy and you're like, well, this stuff's lagged. I don't want to own this stuff. But I just feel like, you know, even at J C Perret's point, like, look at what has really performed. Is Europe's, you know, performing? There's a catch up trade happening. There's catch-up mm-hmm. trades happening in different places. You got Baidu's pull all the way back to the lows here. I mean, you're buying it on the lows of the year basically right now. 130. It's a huge support level. Is can you take a shot here? Absolutely. Do you stop yourself out if it makes new lows? I think so. But you've got you know a defined risk here. I mean, ignore the first two days of January where I went you know from 118 up to 122 and go to the third day. You know, January 4th. That's where we had the 125 bottom. I mean, I think that would be where my stop out is. 125, 126, 125. The low two days ago, 127. You have defined support. Which here. one was that, Dennis? I, I Baidu, sorry. Baidu. I moved over to no, Baidu. Yeah. Because Bob is kind of in the middle of nowhere. I didn't like the Yeah, yeah. No worries. I just wanted to kind of bring but look the chart at, up. Look here. at this money, Mitch. Look at this support here, like 125, 127. You can yeah. see it. You can draw the line. Clearly there. stands out. Yeah, clearly stands out. I mean, that's what trading's all about. It's about, you know, 
you know, looking at, you know, the easy setups. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying this is easy, but I have to find risk. So if I was to buy it at 131 or 132 today, I stop myself out at 124 and, you know, I'm risking myself seven bucks. And I'm, what you're banking on is that, hey, there's a catch up trade here. And there yeah. could be. And, you know, Baidu is like a headline stock where, you know, they're just a matter of time before they probably say something about AI. So and then the market's like, oh, my goodness, Baidu. They've already done it before. People forget. You know, Baidu, you know, was going into blockchain. They're going to the metaverse. They're going into everything. So, I mean, there's the potential for them to drop another AI headline and you know, the thing can move back up. So um, I kind of like the Baidu down here. And just to mention with Baba, the another thing that happened today, of course, the news that came out of that, um, they were trading higher following a report suggesting that Chinese regulators were expected to decrease a fine on the company's Ant Group affiliate from one billion to around seven hundred million, so it was a nice little savings of three hundred million dollars there. That'll definitely help them out. And I think one thing to kind of keep an eye out: will the Chinese regulars uh, regulators start to kind of ease up on these tech companies? That's one thing I started to see. Yeah, and that itself could give these companies the lift. That's why they got destroyed. It wasn't because they were just like crappy companies. No, it's the truth is, is that their government destroyed the, this price, right? Let's just be honest. And now I think that if you think about it overall and you look in the financials, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt, right? Chinese financials. But Baba's back to, you know, 2016 prices, 2015 prices. I think this is in the long run, as long as there's no China, Taiwan situation, that's where you got to go ahead and take a look at, but the big opportunity here in Baba. Uh, I mean, if you're going to buy Chinese stocks, this is probably the one. There is geopolitical risk here. We've talked about that over the last yes. six months. It's never materialized. It's probably why they start to lag. But I mean, if you, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, I feel like I've missed out. You haven't in China. JD is at the lows. Yeah. And maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe we are going to, if they, if they turn around and invade Taiwan, these things are all getting killed. Don't yeah, kid they, yourself. They, like they're they go... going down 15% a day if that mm -hmm. happens. We don't know if that's going to happen. We've had people like Kyle Bass saying it's going to happen. We have other people saying it's not going to happen. We don't know. We don't know what she is thinking. It's a it's a huge risk for him, too. I don't think she is just the person, you know, like to be, you know, looking and saying, oh, there's no risk in this. You know, does he want to go into a World War Three? Because that's what that could end up being. So I mean, there's a lot of thought process here. But Take the geopolitical risk out of the equation just in, you know, this, you know, fun world. We'll just eliminate it. Say it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I would buy these stocks. Exactly. That's that's one thing. Yeah, that I would you, buy these you, stocks if there was no geopolitical risk. And, and I have to agree with that. That's the only thing that kept me out, right? Because I feel like the, the valuation starts making sense down here. They do. They make sense on all of these stocks. Mm -hmm. they're, they're undervalued because of the geopolitical risk. 100%. So it's so. not all priced in, though. We could say, oh, yeah, that's all priced in. I'll tell you right now. Taiwan gets invaded. Those Chinese stocks start looking like Russian stocks. Yeah, so, TSM starts looking like Russian stocks. TSM does too, and I don't touch TSM for that, that reason. That is a reason, a reason why. Warren Buffett sold. Yet Warren said it. Remember, I don't yeah. know if you guys saw that article, but Warren said it. I I sold majority of the TSM position just because there was too much risk. Yeah. Well, there you guys see it. We'll see what happens with China stocks. Let's get out of those. Let's go to the banks. Everyone wants to talk banks. Let's Big get time. to Bank of America. Of course, you can see here from the pre-market action, nice little spike, but now pulling back a little bit at 30.87. Let's give their numbers here. Q1 EPS, 94 cents, beat the 82 cent estimate. Sales of 26. 
$25.39 billion beat the $25.13 billion estimate. Q1 provisions for credit loss now uh, up from uh, $30 million year over year now to $931 million. Bank of America Q1 net interest income, though, went up 25% to $14.4 billion here. Not bad, at least on that net interest income and a beat in the beat, giving them a little bit of a raise here. 32 was where you had support in the breakdown back on March the, uh, the 9th there. That's when the banks all started breaking down. So that's a logical point for it to have resistance. And we did get up to like 31 and a half here this morning. So we've been a little bit higher. I, mm-hmm. think, in, I think it's hard to chase Bank America here. One, the banks really haven't run yet. I'd rather buy them near the lows than trying to chase them. JP Morgan is the exception of the rule because it's come right back and never sold off. And they used to have the Jamie Dimon, you know, issues, you know, with the whole, um, the, with the other stuff there with uh, Epstein. So, you know, we don't know what's going to materialize with that, but it seems to be like a nothing burger for JP Morgan, the stock so far. Um, that's a risk. I mean, but it's always been best of breed. But let's talk Goldman Sachs because it's the one that's getting the beats today. Let's we have do seen it. this mentality to buy the dip. Um, Goldman down to 320, I would love. That would be a 50% <laughs> hey, retracement. Run but, into the earnings, sell the earnings. Who, who was talking about that up. last week? Yeah. It, they like the to bar do this went for higher. Goldman. They, yeah. they like to do this for Goldman. This is one thing I've clearly seen in the last three reports. So one thing I do is I just start seeing, does this pattern just continue repeat? Running into earnings, selling the earnings. Same thing happened last quarter with Goldman Sachs. You guys can take a look at that on the charts. That's as easy as just scrolling back, right? Where you see these kind of pops and drops where we came from, right? Around the 340s, we popped right into 370s, came right back down when the earnings came out. So this is just a pattern that it's continuous. Goldman Sachs Q1 EPS $8.79 beat $8.10 estimate. Sales of $12.22 billion missed the $12.79 billion estimate. Q1 investment banking fees were down 26% year over year. Global banking and market revenues down 16% year over year. Asset wealth management revenues were up 24% year over years. And the assets under supervision increased from $125 billion now to $2.67 trillion. So a lot of assets increasing there in Q1 for Goldman Sachs. Um, we talked about this too. I was nervous about Goldman just because of the investment banking. And we know we haven't seen a lot of M&A activity. You haven't seen a lot of IPOs. You haven't seen a lot. The investment banking was was predictable to sell off. And again, you know, where we can say, oh, the market looks ahead. This market is stupid. Forget about the people who say that. The market is dumb. It doesn't look ahead. It couldn't even see the investment banking in Goldman Sachs. And that's why it's down here today. So, I mean, that was an obvious one. It also failed technically. So for all you technicians out there, it failed perfectly where it should have failed. Broke down from 340 kissed it yesterday like right on the nose almost 340 45 and now you fail from there so you got that technical you know failure right at 340 it's hard to chase the banks here so just saying going into the earnings he just ran up from 300 to 340 like we were talking about iwm being near the lows goldman sachs was not near the lows it had got back over half of the losses so it had already started to move do you buy goldman on dips they probably, if you get down to 320, which is the 50% retracement of the recent move, I think you probably do find some dip buyers. 
Um, and maybe they come in sooner just because money managers are hungry for stocks and Goldman's still a pretty dang good company. Um, and maybe you see it going forward. So I wouldn't be opposed to buying Goldman Sachs on a dip. But if you were buying it ahead of the earnings yesterday, you weren't reading the tea leaves. Yeah, that's that's just where it gets really difficult. And a lot of times, let's just be honest, buying the day prior to earnings is pretty difficult to risk. Kind of, yeah, like it's just let's just be risk. honest. So you, you, a majority of the times it's going to be a flip of the coin, especially the, the day prior. Right. There's one thing day trading it into the close and then getting out right before the earnings come out. But there's a whole nother game looking and waiting to see the tape and trying to react to see if you're either going to be in the green or be in the red. That's where it really gets difficult. You guys know Dennis. That's what he does. He trades after hours. And you don't see him doing this. Might be I the fade why, the moves right? because it's still, to your point, a coin flip a lot of times. Even when they beat, it's sometimes a coin flip. Exactly. Yeah. So when they're bid up, and sometimes I see this after hours, sometimes you'll see it. I want, I want a little bit of like a cushion. But sometimes you'll see a stock get bid up two, three dollars ahead of the earnings report. Goldman Sachs three hundred dollars stock, so two, three dollars isn't as much. But sometimes you'll see like a sixty dollars stock getting bid up at sixty three ahead of the report. Well, I'm like, well, they're buying at five percent up. If the expected moves like six or seven, I'll be willing to short going into that report, saying even if they beat that. I might still actually make money on this trade if they miss. So I get more downside. So, I mean, there's opportunities there where people just get too excited or nervous and they don't miss. Sometimes it's shorts and they forget to cover and then they don't know what to do after hours. And like, I don't want to hold it through the report and they're bidding it up trying to get done. At a certain point in time, I will take that risk from them. So it's all just analysis. Goldman Sachs was bid up about two bucks last night. It wasn't enough to take on. If it was bid up 10 bucks last night, I would have been short. You know, so I again, I look at the expected moves. That's where options can come in really handy. Need the expected moves, just look to the nearest dated options, add up the calls and puts with the same strike, and that'll give you the expected move. And, you know, we have CC on here, like Gator coming off a, a, a lot of times, and he's excellent at this. And he shows you it's, it's not that common for these things to move outside the expected range. You got to really beat or really miss. So if they come in wishy-washy or they come in this is a little bit of a beat or a little bit of a miss, a lot of times those expected moves hold. It's very important to understand that if you're trading earning stocks. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Morgan Stanley because they report before the bell tomorrow, right? Yeah. Will this lower the bar for Morgan Stanley? Um, and interesting, I just had this conversation here, Mitch, because Morgan Stanley was bid up last night. It was bid up a buck last night, and I did short this last night. Aha, so I actually go. did come in to short. I knew Goldman Sachs reporting, and I'm like, okay, if Goldman Sachs beats, then you know Morgan Stanley could lose on this. But it was giving me a lead, and when you get enough of a lead, I'm like, okay, that's a big enough lead, a buck on the stock not reporting. I felt like it was enough. I've covered it already this morning. But you can see, yeah. like, even like the arbitrageurs think, oh, Goldman's going to go three and a half. Morgan's going to go down three and a half. Well, it's not. It doesn't move as much as the leader. So, I mean, here somebody was paying up a buck last night. You know, obviously wrong. You know, maybe they were thought Goldman was really going to blow it away and Morgan was going to really run too. Um, and it wasn't the case. And, I mean, even, you know, with Goldman getting hit down 12 bucks right now, Morgan's only down 74 cents. So yeah, this is why I'll be looking don't at Morgan move Stanley as much, today. A little they bit. don't move as much as the leaders. Your your pair traders who are you know very you know new to pair trading, relationship based mm -hmm. trading, will often say, okay, well I'm going to buy Goldman up ten thousand worth of Goldman. I'm going to short ten thousand worth of Morgan, and I'm hedged. It's not the case in the earnings. It's often three to one is what I usually say is like a rule of thumb. Unless you're Home Depot and Lowe's, which are very comparable, or UPS and FedEx, which are very comparable. Goldman and Morgan are very comparable too, but they trade more that two to one, three to one. 
Home Depot and Lowe's, it's it's not one to one, but it's like one point five to one. So just understanding those different relationships, you know, how much they move on the earnings. And again, there's always the the the, the, ex, uh, the example that I give too. If you if like Home Depot reported, you know, two days earlier, and then you know you think Lowe's Lowe's reports, Home Depot isn't going to have as much move off of Lowe's because it already reported. So you got to understand all those different dynamics. You can't just take it at face value. Home Depot and Lowe's have a 98% correlation. So, you know, I'm going to short this and short this and it will move there. You have to understand the earnings dynamics to it. It's different. So when you're trading Goldman versus Morgan, you got to understand, you know, that even though Morgan hasn't reported yet and reports Wednesday night, it typically doesn't move as much as Goldman Sachs on the report. One thing that I'll note here in the chart, just kind of talking Morgan Stanley, right, is that remember, we had a really nice earnings report last time, right? That's where we got this gap up move. And we were kind of moving up until we came into the financial crisis time. And that's when Morgan Stanley did this down cut. I'm wondering if we can just get back into that area here, into this kind of gap area with kind of good earnings starting to push it higher. Can we get back towards that 100? To me, it seems like it's in reach. I'm going to be watching Morgan Stanley t today to see if this can, can start moving higher, especially what? since I feel like the we're getting a vote of confidence now starting to show up in the banks because we're getting more and more reports out and no kind of disaster reports yet. Not, not from State Street wasn't great, but not from the majors. And I think there's a difference here. I think the majors aren't probably seeing a lot of capital flee as you mm -hmm. know, some of obviously smaller exactly. banks did. The other thing for Morgan Stanley, just one more point we can move mm -hmm. on, is the bar is now lower for Morgan Stanley. So now that Goldman has missed, everybody's like, oh, you know, Morgan Stanley's investment banking is going to suck too, and this is going to suck. So they say anything okay now, the stock could significantly rally. You always want to be, if you're if your industry struggling, you always want to be the second to report. So if, you're, you know, if your peer misses, it's great to be the second one to report because then all of a sudden the bar is lower for you. So don't be surprised if Morgan Stanley says anything okay tomorrow morning that the stock rallies yeah and then i think about it in the recent report they give a good one so who knows maybe they can continue giving good reports and then just shake this off right then goldman sachs gave them if anything give them a discount today we'll find out all right let's get out of morgan stanley let's do one last bank to just cover it here bk sure. a smaller one right bank of new york mellon q1 adjusted a dollar 13 beat the dollar 12 estimate sales of four 0.36 billion missed a 4.4 billion estimate but you guys can see that not really moving much here off of this move um what does a move like this tell us dennis why did bk sell off yesterday was that off state street did it sell yes. that much off of state street yes that's a crazy pure move there off of you know because regionals there's so many of them i'm actually very surprised that it sold off that much yesterday off stt um, that's why I just didn't know if I had another headline, like a downgrade or something like that. I'm yeah, looking I'm looking to now. see if there's any downgrade. I was there, looking too, because that's a huge anything. sympathy move. So, and they bought that. So now they, you know, it's sitting here, it's hanging out. I mean, as you get down there, these 42s there's bottom fishers here. So you got to consider that as well. Your levels come into play here. You know, your levels going into a report aren't as significant as they are after the report. Now we're after the report. So tell me, you know, if they don't like the stock, where it could potentially bounce. You look at those levels and you think, well, yesterday's low is a pretty good area, 42.44. So we got down in the mid 43s here this morning. I don't know if we're going to get all the way back down there because of the buy the dip mentality in this market. But there's support down here, 42 to 43 on BK. And they did declare a dividend. Uh, it looks like a 37 cent dividend. So keep your eyes on that. I don't know if that shows more signs of confidence in the banks. But to me, 
I mean, if they're putting dividends out there, it probably seems like they're seeing an okay situation in their deposit situation. Um, so we'll see what That's happens. Something to think about too. I mean, yeah. not declaring, but sometimes you see actually the little raises. I've noticed, you know, that if you get even a little vote of confidence where you see somebody raising, you know, two cents, you know, not even much, then yeah. like, oh, Just well, a, a dividend raise, well right? Yeah. A slight dividend raise gives a, a big vote of confidence here right now. It's normal action mm -hmm. for them. But people like, especially in the banks, they want to see normal action. They don't want to see like, exactly. oh, well, you didn't raise your dividend or you're not, you know, going with your normal course of action. Or what are you seeing? You know, people you're not a uh, 10 timing, 10 timings, your provision for capital uh, credit losses. Right. And, and things like that. Right. So that's why we even are mentioning that provision for credit losses. Right. A lot of people are focusing that the bigger banks do have more, but that's just because they have more exposure. Let's just be honest. Right. Um, they probably got a lot more. Uh, money that came into their banks too because a lot of money left these smaller banks going to the bigger ones let's just be honest about that mitch uh ra is reading our mind here because we were actually wrote this down as a topic of conversation today was the vex and <laughs> let's our do thoughts it. on the vex let's do it i'm like we're just getting finishing up the bank earnings here we can come back to j and j if you want but yeah. j and j had a nice beat you know and it's popped up a buck 83 i'd say a lot of good news already priced into j and j and j and j is again not the stock so we we'll just finished with j and j it's not the kind of stock that people are going to buy if you're going into a raging bull market so just keep that in mind same reason that i wasn't buying unh on its earnings a couple days ago yeah. same reason i would not be chasing j and j on the earnings because if you're in a bull market the market isn't hungry for unh it isn't hungry for j and j so i mean j and j has already bounced quite a bit too so your bottom fishers you're up 15 dollars here now from the lows just a couple weeks ago so there's room to 170 but i don't think you need to chase j and j here yeah, I don't think you need a chase here. I'd be looking for pullbacks back towards resistance to create support, maybe 166 levels on pullbacks for Johnson & Johnson. And one thing to know also, the drug manufacturers have been probably one of the strongest areas in health as of late. And so with that one being said, I think that this could pull back while other industries in this space start to kind of get going. So that's why I'm looking at diagnostics and research, but look at the recent move for the drug manufacturers. It's been a massive little rip up. So I could see pullbacks on those stocks. I'm looking for other stocks to get the lift. So we'll see what happens. Johnson & Johnson definitely getting a little bit of a lift. Let's just review their numbers. They did beat on EPS. Uh, did beat on sales. They raised fiscal uh, 23 adjusted EPS guidance um, and also raised fiscal 23 revenue guidance. So at least from that aspect, it's looking good. They raised quarterly dividend uh, by 5.3% from $1.13 uh, per share now to $1.19 per share. So it looks like Johnson & Johnson also giving a little bit of vote of confidence. I'd be looking for pullbacks on this. And it's and of course, you can see the drug manufacturers. They've really taken off. So I'm looking for pullbacks on those because I and just feel like the talcum powder issue is behind ahead. them. So, I mean, that was oh, really the yeah, catalyst the Johnson for the big Johnson. rally. Yeah. That was it. That was this volume bar, I, I believe. That, that was it. And you know what? As soon as that talcum powder you know, issue, and I tried to buy it after. It went fast, man. I was trying to buy it after hours yeah. or two. As soon as that you know, issue was getting behind them, that was the green light go on J&J. &J. That's what was holding the stock down. And if you see 3M ever settle off their asbestos issues there, wasn't asbestos is that what it was? I can't remember. Yeah, the, the triple I M. I think so. Yeah. If you ever see them settle it out, you see a similar move here because 3M is held down because of that. So keep an eye for that headline, which could drop. You know, we don't know. It could drop a year from now. It could drop, you know, we, we don't know when that's all going to sell. The J&J &J came out of the blue. 
So let's move back to the VIX conversation just four minutes before we go to Christian. It might, uh, Christian might come on when we're talking about this and we'll get his thoughts on it too. Yeah. But I want to talk to VIX because it's let's very it. interesting here. Show us the chart from the VIX here just for Let the last me, little while. Do you yeah, go BIX? Like, can you bring up the actual I, VIX? I, I, at least from my my thing, I don't have it here. So you I'll, can't I'll bring it. up the BIX I, on that. I can, I can still bring up a, a different one here. It's going to be more of a daily outlook here. Because some of those have decay when you get into these different you know products that are off there. And yeah, then they exactly. skew to the downside. So it doesn't give you the real picture here. But um, here, VIX, I, I if I just bring up my long-term chart, and I'm not showing my screen, but I should actually. Here, at there least you go. This is, that helps. This is where we're at right now. We're right? leaking. I mean, and people are like, you know. This is not this one. This is telling you that the market is obviously, you know, thinking there's less risk out there. So, mm -hmm. you know, usually when the VIX is going lower, the market is going higher, and that's what we're seeing here too. But two, go out longer term here, Mitch. Let's go, go out to, to the like monthly. monthly. Here. I mean, go. the VIX isn't normal to trade 25 to 30. You know where the normal range is? It's 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. So eventually. You know, and if we don't have any geopolitical, we don't have an invasion, we don't have any more banking crisis, the VIX probably continues to leak. So eventually, it probably gets back down to that 10, 11, 12, 15. So I, I don't know, like the course, you know, obviously the path to get there. We can see the huge spikes that we've seen here in 2008 was the financial crisis. Obviously, in 2020, and that March 2020 was the COVID crisis when we saw the S&P fall 30% in three weeks. So, I mean, that's when the VIX really spiked there, too. But overall, you can see where it likes to sit. 10 to 15 is really. So you're still elevated VIX here. So you've got to consider that when you're trading, you know, when you're looking at options and looking at different things. Premiums are still slightly elevated here on the overall market. Now, you come back down 10 to 15, that's where it usually settles out. And I mean, we got, you know, and, and some of the, and obviously down, you know, we, we've been lower than that even. I can remember, you know, back in 2007 before getting under 10, which was crazy. So yeah. 10 to, it's, it, it's coming in and I think that's normal. So it's not normal to stay at 25 to 30. It's normal to be slowly, slowly coming in. And I think the VIX, obviously we don't know if there's going to be another tape bomb on it from a macro issue, but barring that, I think the VIX continues to leak here. So I think eventually you could see the VIX down in that 10 to 15 range again. And this also shows to me that the worrying is slowly but surely just fading away, right? I mean, at least that's what the VIX is telling us, that the worry, at least for bearish action or continued downside, is just leaking away. And there's more bulls and more bulls. And you guys can see it. If Dennis and I are starting to get in that bull camp, oh, there's definitely definitely some bulls out there right and so i, I think i'm going to continue to watch to see what happens there but i don't i don't expect to see this flip unless we get something drastically to change in inflation drastically to change in the financial situation with the finance with the banks or geopolitical situation other than that i see upside and that's the interesting part. But, of course, we can talk all about this with our guest yeah, today. You guys, smash the like. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on Christian Fromhertz, Tribeca Trade Group. All right. How are we doing, Christian? Good to have you in. Good. What's going on, guys? Hey, another day, another market, right? <laughs> I, I like the intro music. Very good, guy. It's uh it's almost a little bit like caffeine, so I, I like there that. There you go. Wake <laughs> yeah, you up in the morning. You don't need it. to drink we your coffee it. there, Christian. 
Yeah. Uh, interesting conversation on the on the VIX. Yeah, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on here too because I can remember trading like in the 2013, 2014, 2015. It was quiet in there and the VIX is like 12, 13. And you're like, are we ever going to get volatility again? And I also remember back in 2005, 2006, one of the first articles that I ever wrote for CFA Magazine. I wrote for CFA Magazine for a long time. was back in like 2006. And my article was like, why is it so quiet in the trading room? And the VIX had fallen under 10, I believe. You know, this was obviously a year or two before the financial crisis, but right. it was just nothing going on, you know, prices. So, I mean, when you get, you know, away from these little macro events, it's really the macro events that drive the VIX. You know, you got COVID, you got the financial crisis. You know, I recently had the little regional banking crisis there. But once those subside, when you get to calm markets, and I'm not saying I don't know if we're going to calm markets, but if we are heading that way to calm markets, the VIX tends to get under 20 and it tends to stay under 20. Um, at least from my experience, but I want to talk about, you know, your experiences, you know, with the VIX too. Do you use this as a predictive, you know, um, uh, as a predictive indicator in your trading, Christian, or do you just ignore it? Uh, not a predictive indicator, but just telling you what's happening currently. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a coincidence kind of indicator. So sure. uh, what I think is kind of interesting is for a while, what people were doing over the last year is, you know, they were thinking of it in terms of, hey, when the VIX gets to the upper 20s, 30, you know, that's actually where we've been uh, rallying. And when it gets down to around the 20 range, you know, that's where we we actually get a bump up in volatility. Now that we've kind of, and, and that worked for a little while, right? And, and it's like anything with trading. When yes. you see a pattern like that going, Going on, you take advantage of it, but eventually, you know, the, the patterns change. And now that we're that we're kind of settling in under twenty, you know, and I think twenty is kind of a psychological level. Yeah. Um, so first of all, it's not doing anything in terms of like telling you about fear. It's just telling you what implied volatility is doing in thirty-day S and P options, and that's all that the VIX does. Yeah. But the fact that it's kind of staying under twenty, you know, and 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 kind of moving gently lower. Um, I think it's kind of, it, like you guys have already mentioned, it's it's telling you that, you know, some of these um, issues that we've experienced over the last year, some of them are kind of um, subsiding to some extent. And we're kind of moving back to, you know, a less volatile situation on our hands. Yeah. Um, could that change, you know, and you guys bring up a great point too. It, it could definitely change if there, if there's some new information that comes out, yeah. uh, you know, a jump, a, a big jump in inflation, a macro, you know, uh, economic uh, event, right. Geopolitical stuff that, that all of these things, because it's not, I don't think it's predictive. So, yeah. um, but you just kind of take it for what it is and say volatility is starting to subside in terms of the higher regime that we've been in over the last year. So let's talk about this market overall. And I've been in the bear camp for a long time. I've switched to like neutral here recently because I was like, and I said this on the show last week, I'm like, it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. Absolutely. And the yeah, market is telling me that I'm wrong with like saying a recession is imminent, another bank failure is coming, you know, and maybe that happens. And, you know, I may end up being right, but I can't sit here and wait and play that. So I've kind of moved to this neutral stance in market neutral to a certain extent, but kind of playing, you know, tech long. I've been talking about that too. I mean, I just talk about adjustments overall. Like I've kind of adjusted my recent train of thought here in the last week to two. Um, what are your thoughts first on this market? And then talk about, you know, how you adjust in your trading as well. Cause you can't always be right, Christian. But not no way. Unless Come you're on. on Twitter. I mean, nobody's <laughs> ever wrong on Twitter, right? So if you're on Twitter, you're never wrong. But you know, for us normal traders, you know, we can't always be right. 
Yeah, I mean that that's absolutely that's music to my ears to to say that is that you know you're going to be wrong in trading and it's it's one of the things that I try to teach and to give traders just reasonable expectations is that whenever you click the mouse you're you're taking risk in the market and there's just no way there there's nobody on TV there's there's no you know even the best traders out there they're you know they're between 50 to 60% correct. So yes. you you have to think about what you're going to do in those other times where you're going to be wrong. And, you know, you don't want to stay wrong. And I'm wrong all the time. I'm wrong on a daily basis, but I'm not going to stay wrong. And, you know, I, th I think really that's the difference of being a, a successful trader is you get over your ego, you get over your um, stubbornness, which is one of the worst qualities that you can have. I mean, I see people all the time. And, and that's one thing that's, that's, you mentioned Twitter. Twitter is a great sentiment indicator because some people, they will not gravitate from their position. They will come up with some other statistic. They will come up with like, oh, yeah. hey, now we got to worry about this. Like that's not trading. Like constantly being pessimistic is, is not how, you know, is a great recipe to, to be making money. So, um, to try to answer your question, it's it's really just to be observant, um, to try to be a little bit clever, and um, you know just realize that if you could be objective and and I do I'm very much you know a believer in watching price action because um, stock prices are a leading indicator, right? They will tell you what's going on, um, you know, a, a little bit. They're they're looking ahead. A lot of the economics that we receive um, are things that already happened in the past. Um, you know, even earnings reports, when you get those numbers that come out for earnings reports that we're going to see, this is going to tell you what happened in the prior three months. You know, listening to guidance and watching what the price action does is so much more important than saying than staying stuck in the in the past. So, you know, basically, that's that's what I try to look for. And, um, you know, I, I actually uh, mentioned a screen to Mitch this morning of just something that yeah. I, I tend to look at, you know, not only like the 20 day new high list. Um, but also, I we've developed a, a scan at Tribeca Trade Group where we can kind of just focus on names that are doing something a little bit different than the rest of the market. Um, just to answer one of you know, just because it's a, yeah. a it's a complicated question that that you asked. Um, <laughs> But it's also, you know, not only looking at price action, but also looking at what some indicators are telling you, you know, is breath expanding or is it contracting? You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've started to see, you know, even though the indices have been kind of churning and not really doing much, there's been that buy the dip mentality that you mentioned about, you know, 15, 20 minutes earlier. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing that, the, you know, the last couple of days, the market kind of started lower for the last, for the first couple of hours and then ended up higher. And the breath is kind of coming back. Back. So um, I, I think those are positive developments. And of course, we want to monitor for when that changes. But right now, if you look at, for example, like the McClellan summation index, which is a really easy thing to kind of look at to tell you, um, is breath expanding or is it contracting? And, and it's been expanding for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely noting that. I mean, I, I just look at stocks uh, above below SMA 200, right? We got 47.6%. This got as low as in the teens, right? I mean, we're working our way back. And if we could get above 50% of stocks above their two, 200, well, yeah, I'm going to feel a lot more bullish in this market. Let's start taking a look at that out-of-box list, and that's what uh, you guys call it. So I'm excited to get into it. We'll look a little bit more of 
why you uh, or what you scan for this list. Let's go ahead. I'm going to bring it up on the screen here. These are some names that come up on your out of the box list. Of course, we don't have to go through all of these. If you if you want, Christian, you can share your screen to maybe take a look at some of these. Oh, you sure? On, yeah, we can on do a that. chart. Um, but definitely uh, just putting this up for you guys out there in the chat, definitely smash the like for Christian bringing us some of these stocks and these are making moves out of their value area. Is that, am I correct for saying that? Yeah. Let me, um, just bring up the entire screen here and multitasking. Not great with, uh, without at least one more. Don't worry. I do it every day. It's how it is, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so basically, you know, and this also goes along with, if anybody's ever read the book, um, how to make, uh, what is it? $2 million in the stock market. That's Darvis, right? Darvis looks at when a stock moves out of a range basically, and goes on to, you know, the next range or the, or the next area. So, it's kind of what we do with, um, there's a study that we use. It's an indicator called the, the market webs. And basically what that does is it looks for when stocks are trading in a range. Um, and it does this, you know, we're really combining that um, practice with uh, statistics. So we're looking at basically, you know, whatever the last period is. So f- for example, like if we're looking at the S&P, right, and we're looking at the weekly chart, just as a very simplistic standpoint, is that um, this value area, right, so which is uh, 4257 is resistance, 3651 is your support. This is based on all of last year's volume at price. So uh, all of the trading activity um, that happened last year, what we're doing is putting roughly around, you know, one standard deviation around that um that uh, price act, price and volume, and we're coming up with some really significant uh, support and resistance. And once we break above that, it does become st- statistically significant, right? So we can look at that, of course, on the weekly chart. We can look at it in terms of the daily chart, which you know we're doing the same thing here, um, very different than last month where we started the value area below value. This month we're starting above value, which is a better setup, and um, you know, and, and we're for the month we're, we're trending above you know the value area so um what what i also tend to look at is um i use a lot of multiple time frame analysis so i find it more powerful um because you i don't like to see resistance right in front of me so when we're breaking out on multiple time frames for instance the weekly chart the daily chart and the mm-hmm. one hour chart, which gives us the one hour chart, gives us a valuary for the week. Uh, it's it's what I tend to look at is the path of least resistance, right? So if we're moving out of a range on all three time frames, it can become more powerful. So um, I run this scan on on a on a nightly basis, and um, what I generally look for is, of course, the individual names, but you can also look to see like what sectors, because sometimes yeah. you do have, you know, a sector that is showing relative strength. And um, we've seen this from time to time. And, you know, certain groups, uh, I think this year have gotten favorable for a couple of weeks. And, you know, that's also, I think, something pretty good to see uh, with the market is that that rotation that's happening, um, you know, under the hood, that that's, that's not something that's a bad thing to see different areas participate. You know, we've seen going back a couple months ago, we saw, you know, the industrials group do pretty well, right? Then of course, you know, once the banks kind of got into trouble, we did see the bigger tech, right? Start to participate. And we've seen software um, here and there, um, you know, and up until, and now recently we're seeing biotechs, you know, so again, like th- these are, these are good things. Um, I think to see that constant 
rotation where different groups are starting to break out. So one one area that breaks that um, that looks interesting to me, believe it or not, and we just had some some um, some uh, home building data, but mm-hmm. I see three or four names of the of the home builders that again yeah. just. Um, I mean, isn't that? I mean, it's kind of crazy to me. What do you guys think about that? Well, well one thing is to consider yeah, we've some been of the talking about costs have come down here too, Christian. I mean, you know, I just did. I'm building a shop now. I can build a house for two. You're now going to build a shop, but <laughs> I'm like, I, I went and got the lumber, <laughs> the lumber package here, and I was like, when did two by fours come back down to four bucks? I mean, I so you building. have some of the input costs. Steel has not come down. But certain things have come down substantially, yeah. like lumber especially. And you can look at the lumber, you can see it's traded. But I mean, a lot of times you see it go down in the futures market and you don't see it translate at Home Depot. But in this case, lumber has come down. So there is some input costs that have come down here. So that, you know, that is flat, flat out deflation that, you know, we've saw in lumber. Like, obviously, they're looking for disinflation. But, you know, we are seeing deflation in certain pockets. So I think, you know from the home builders perspective, and I've been bearish the home builders for a while here just because like who's building a home going into a recession. But I mean, if you're not going to a recession, <laughs> right. maybe that's a different story here. And maybe the home builders were right. Maybe they have been telling us something. The PEs were low. The PEs have been low for a reason. Those people expected those earnings not to hold up, but you know what? They're still holding up. And you know what? I'm just going around. I'm like, I see activity and you know, maybe it's just selective perception on my part, but I see homes getting built. You know, I see stuff going on. So, um, doesn't well, look like a recession here. And if you're not going to recession, these home builders are cheap. Let's just be honest, right? I mean, the supply is still extremely, extremely low. And if we are going to make our way out of this in kind of a soft landing or no landing at all, why not just start building? Because, I mean, there are people that want housing. The only thing we're going to need really is a pivot from the Fed really to get things going, Right. And a little part of me is interested if for somehow in the next couple of years, we actually start seeing some type of move to try to get the new generations into housing, right? Because that's the truth is if we are going to see this really take off, it's kind of going to be because we get some kind of tailwind in the housing industry. So I don't think it's going to be a play that I'm looking at right now, but who knows, maybe five, 10 years down the line, this could be an area that could really take off. If we could get some fiscal policy behind well, what do you housing. think christian I, I mean i think the price action is telling us something i mean this this has been a group that's been basically strong all year long and yes. i think we all have doubts about it because we hear that you know every economist saying there's a recession coming there's a recession coming and um i it's, it's you think geez there's no way if that's the case that, that the first thing that you think about is like people are going to hold off on on um on uh, you know, building or buying homes, but that's what's that's what's so interesting and fun about the market is that the popular consensus isn't always the one that's correct. So I, I you know, if you, if you were to cover up this, these, the symbols on some of these names, I, I was just throwing like this is the overall. That's a fun um, exercise. Home, yeah, yeah, home construction ETF, and I, it looks really good. I mean, and it I does. was, and I've been. I yeah. went through some scans too over the weekend and I was like, wow, this Lennar and Toll Brothers, I have to say, looks very good. I mean, they've been, you know, they're, they've made a nice move. They're consolidating. And now it looks like they're ready to kind of take that next, you know, move out of the recent consolidation. So I haven't really been participating with that group 
uh, just for those reasons. But I'm, I'm more kind of interested now that I'm seeing, okay, we've got three or four different names. Sky is another one, Skyline Champion Corporation. So that's, that's kind of um, what the scan helps me with is to be, uh, you know, again, to be objective and be like, geez, maybe there's something going on that I, well, you know. Well, well, this list is so interesting too. I mean, look how diversified this list is here. Exactly. I yeah. mean, you know, off. I bet you if did this list, you know, a little while ago, you wouldn't. You see some tech companies maybe holding up in the first part because Microsoft's and the Apples. But now you're seeing like other stocks, other sectors. I mean, you got T-Mobile on the list. You got ZBH on the list. You got obviously the home builders that you talked about there. Um, the the breath is getting better, Lindy. right? Corp. Yep. I mean, you've got a very diversified list here, which is good for the market. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you can kind of, in, and I like to do that. I mean, I like to have uh, positions like not all in like high tech, you know, or, you know, big, you know, small cap growth. I like to have like a Zimmer Bionet in there. Um, there's another name too that like, I like to find new names too. And like, that's what the scan will help me do. And like, yeah. like here's one that I came upon the other day, which is ABB, um, which is an ADR. And we know that, you know, Europe and some of the other areas around um, the globe are like really strong. I don't know they if are. you guys have, have seen yeah, this chart, but th this is HEDG, not on the, you know, outside of the scan, but I find very interesting that this is the European ETFs, uh, European stocks with no FX exposure and it's at an all time high. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's a little bit different when you throw in FX, but if but if you're looking at yeah. uh, European stocks, uh, no FX related, they're actually at an all time high. <laughs> so yeah. you could call it a I bear mean, market rally if you like, but it's really <laughs> all time highs is not a bear market rally. No, and no. this is and with the bank worry, right? <laughs> in Europe. And, right, and exactly. Yeah. who has been talking about the strength in Europe. I mean, he's been talking about this for a while. And obviously, you know, now we're starting to see the strength coming to the U.S. markets here recently as well, too. I mean, Europe has underperformed for so long, Christian. And then you give me this chart and you're like, well, maybe there's a lot of currency in there that was making it all look like it's underperforming. <laughs> hey, it seems like it. it's uh, pretty strong there in Europe. And we've been seeing even some drug manufacturers starting to move there. Uh, well, the Credit Suisse bottom ticked the whole thing. I mean, was yeah, it that's what Swiss? I was thinking. I mean, Christian thoughts here because the European banks have underperformed. But I mean, if we look really where they bottomed, it was like the Credit Suisse bottom, you could almost say here, because a lot of these European banks have bounced substantially. Now, CS isn't going to bounce because obviously it's already got the takeover on them. But, but did that bottom tick the, the European markets here, like at least in the financials? It's so far. I mean, it seems it seems to have acted that way. I'm trying to find a chart for you, for you guys. Uh, let's see if I can bring this up. Um, well, the, the thing, too, is we're so conditioned because a lot of us who've traded back in 2007 and 2008, when we start to see these things, like everybody automatically thinks, and this is like what Twitter does, too, they, they start to think, oh, my God, we have a financial crisis on yeah. our hands. And just because one, you know, there are banks that are going to come into problems from time to time that doesn't mean that we're going to have a financial crisis and yeah. credit swiss has had problems for years you know there's a difference between a major situation that's unfolding versus a company that's just poorly managed and mm -hmm. i think in the case of credit swiss yes you had more stress on them but 
you know, a couple of these names have just been, they haven't been doing well for since the financial crisis. So, oh, yeah, no, sure. you know, it, there's a big difference between a couple companies that are just not, just not well run or uh, I hate to say w- well run, but, or just, poor, you know, poorly managed, however you want to say it versus yeah. you've got a major situation. And, and I think that also goes to the California bank too, because people started to kind of dig into that. People were starting to say, geez, what were they doing? You know? And so that happened, that can happen in any environment where somebody just makes, just does not run a company very well. And I think that's what we're finding. But so here, so I find this chart very interesting. This is European financials versus US financials over the last, um, going back to November. So they've actually on a relative basis, and again, it it helps. (laughs) Finally, finally. (laughs) Yeah, it it helps to zoom out over the last five years. But if you look at the move from, from, you know, so, so something has changed here in Europe. Um, yeah. yeah, the landscape's you know, changed. It's it still like. over time has been underperforming, but over, since the back end of last year, there's been, you know, a massive like, you know, trend V bottom right there. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that's interesting. And so I'm open to looking at names like ABB, which, um, you know, I didn't know what this name does. So I don't like, I'm not uh, saying that you need to know what this name does, but this is the fun of like trading and finding different things. They, they provide power and automation technologies, which kind of, you know, unless you've been under a rock with this AI uh, situation, but robotic companies and, and automation uh, companies are doing really well. The company operates under segments that include power products, power systems, automation products, process automation, and robotics. Right? Did they say uh, automation or you know? <laughs> so this is a nice little play on on you know something outside of the U.S. and and something a little bit under the radar where the chart looks really good. Now they're going to have earnings, so that comes into play too. But um, you know, like I said, doing one of the, doing these scans and it could either be you know my scan that I run or just you know scanning a new twenty day you know new high list. You're going to find um, names that either you haven't heard of or, or you you haven't traded that much but it's going to tell you what's where there's leadership in the market love it love it like always you guys keep up with tribeca trade group check them out christian from hertz will have you back on like always have a great day my friend appreciate you coming on awesome guys thanks for having me. all thanks right for- that's going to be christian here we're going to start wrapping up we're going to do our trade zero segment we're going to touch a sure. couple more headlines with this let's keep it moving you guys out there in the chat smash the like let's keep going All right. One headline that we definitely need to go ahead and touch, of course, uh, Lockheed Martin reported today. So you guys can take a look at that. This is one that I'm kicking myself, man. I had this in the 470s, was looking for the 500 run. Seems like we're almost there. We hit it. Oh, it looks like we did hit it in the pre-market. Went up there towards 502 at 8 a.m. Uh, I was looking for this move. I'm definitely kicking myself a little bit for missing this one. And the big thing for me on this one was that it just got sleepy. It just started going sideways here in March. And I could see that, you know, the war situation wasn't going away. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had Chi kind of visiting Putin. I was like, well, I mean, any mention of strengthening. It's your ultimate that- war stock. Yeah, any 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 talk that they're strengthening their relationship. And I thought Lockheed could go. Well, now you're seeing it. It's already to 500. Yeah. 
Um, 500 is huge. Hasn't been there before. I believe that's an all-time high, Mitch. Um, yeah, you'll have is. optionality. Remember, we have options expiration here coming in a couple of days. So you probably have some 500. I didn't look, but I'm just assuming you have some open interest at the 500. Those big psychological numbers mm -hmm. work for that main reason. That's where the big strikes are. Um, let's see what it does here. Again, I'm going to say kind of the same thing that I just said on J&J. &J. Lockheed Martin's a defensive stock that does actually hold up well when the times are getting tougher. And it's actually surprising how well this is done when, you know, the market's actually going up too, just shows the breadth of this market. But if we look just J&J, &J, what we were talking about just a few minutes ago, J&J &J has leaked the gains away. So, yeah. I mean, you've got to be careful chasing the defensive names on up days. So it's more like you can chase the defensive names in chasing period. I don't like chasing, but you're fully chasing a defensive name on an up day here at major resistance at 500. Maybe it takes it out and maybe it just goes. And, you know, if we go into a war situation and you'll want to own a Lockheed Martin, but I'm not chasing it here today. All right. Of course, uh, you guys see this blue up BLU. Why is this up? Of course, uh, GSK to strengthen specialty medicines here. Respiratory pipeline with $2 billion deal here for Bellis Health uh, acquisition BLU. And this was for $14.75 per share. Um, right now we're trading at $14.42. Is there an opportunity for this to maybe go towards that $14.75, Dennis? No, this uh, once you get into these, it's time, value, and money you have to consider now. If you're in this, I would ring the register today because move on. Your capital is better in other places. When we didn't have any time, value, and money, people were looking for, you know, like risk guards would be coming into this stuff saying, well, I can pick up, you know, a three, four percent here, you know, mm -hmm. if I hold this thing for a while. You can't, it's not worth the risk reward anymore because you can pick up four percent risk free. A few weeks ago, you could pick up five percent risk free. Now it's more in the, you know, the, in the mid fours to pick up risk free. But I mean, you look here, it's a, it's a move on trade. You've, you've been paid. Awesome. You're in it. Take the money, move it into something else that can make you money again, because this is just now time value of money. All right. I do see one showing up on here that I kind of wanted to mention, not specifically this one, but I do see, you know, solar stock EMPH up here in the pre-market. Started seeing some solar making a move That's yesterday. Starting to come now. Yeah. We, we talked about how solar has lagged. And this is, you know, why the reason there's been catch up trades happening here now where people are looking through and saying, okay, well, you know, people like me, well, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm over narrative. What hasn't gone yet? And, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, ENPH, which has been beat up. It's starting the last few days starting to go. So on pullbacks here, I kind of like this. I mean, this has been your leader in solar here. It's the biggest portion of the tan. SEDG has kind of been already gone. Well, it's kind of still in the range. No, I think that one actually getting, getting ready, right? I mean. SEDG? But, yeah, but we just came from 270 to 320. So I'm like, That's, I put it in perspective and you're coming mm -hmm. to the top of the range here. So I just it's don't like chasing. It's a, it's a stock that I've learned at least. It, it likes to trade off the monthly. Um, and that's one thing that you got to kind of catch sometimes with stocks. Like it has such a huge range that I feel like it makes sense on the monthly chart more than the daily chart. But yeah, it is starting to come back here. EMPH definitely strong. Uh, I wanted just to mention Sunrun because it did get a an upgrade today uh, yeah. from KeyBank um, to Overweight, it. announcing a $27 price target. It's at $21.25. And it's been sleepy. It's been down there. If anything, has made a recent kind of bottoming undercut and rally type of look. And what I like is that when it undercut there and it went down through the support, it got more volume, um, especially on that day where it was really low at 1669. So that could be buyers that stepped up through there. 
Um, just trying to get it right back up here. So doesn't look too bad today. I'm going to keep on watch to see what happens in the solar game here today. Trades that look like Sunrun where stocks have been beat up and now they're in consolidation station. I mean, the IWM looks like Sunrun. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we got beat up really hard. You know, we know it was the banks that were really beating it up. And now you've had four or five days of just consolidation. And it looks mm -hmm. like it wants to get above 180 to me. It just looks like it here. So, you know, my Disney chart's the same thing. It's been beat up. It's down from the 120 it did after hours. And now you're like, you have like 10 days of consolidation here. So I love consolidation station. That's when I strike as consolidation station. It's how I've always traded is like, I don't jump on the moving trains. I jump on the train that I think could start moving. And then if I pick the wrong direction, at least I know where my risk is and then I can get out quickly. But you know, when you're chasing, it's like, okay, well now it's pulling back, but there's still an uptrend. Well, I got to hold it longer. So it's hard to define the risk when you're chasing. So that's why I love Consolidation Station. Sunrun wasn't Consolidation Station. The analyst is breaking it out here now. So you know, maybe you look at other ones that are in Consolidation Station. I see Airbnb up today. That's an interesting one starting to recover. And now I have to start thinking because the only thing that kept me out of Airbnb before before was the thinking that we might go into recession but slowly but surely that thought has been leaving my mind and i'm starting yeah, to look too. at airbnb as a potential investment down here not a trade but an investment um because i've been looking at this 120 spot before when we went through all this action and i said once we come through 120 i wanted to get in but when we went through that we gapped up through it last time right and we came back down to this level plenty of times before now we're starting to recover that level. I'm actually interested in Airbnb. And with that being mentioned, if we're not going to go into recession, I'm also going to be watching things like the airlines, also like American Airlines. It's down there towards 1280s, really close towards lows yeah. that, that you have like right to the left. Like 1280s is like a good support. The airlines level are on this. the bottom. They're at I the mean, bottom. You, you talk right? about not chasing. And again, a lot of momentum traders don't like this stuff, but. We've seen multiple stocks here now, Mitch. The catch-up trade is starting to work. So there's mm -hmm. certain times to play the catch-up trade. I think that time is now to play the catch-up trade, to look at some of these things that haven't gone. Now, again, a lot of these things are, are holding back here because, you know, there was concerns. The regional banks hit a lot of this stuff, too, because a lot of these companies have significant amounts of debt. So it wasn't just when the regional banks were going down, it wasn't just the banking crisis. It was like what companies also have a lot of debt were going down too, because if credit gets tighter, if capital gets you know more expensive, that's not good for the companies that are loaded with debt. Now we have seen as, you know, we've got the regional banks stabilizing at least, at least for, for now, we're starting to see some of these other companies that were beat up start to turn. Now tech was outperforming the whole line, especially mega cap tech, because there's very little debt there. You know, Apple's debt, you know, they, they took that on just because rates were low and Apple's such a money, you know, horse that they could, you know, get rid of that debt if they really wanted to. But, you know, a lot of these other companies are debt free. So you could really see where tech was picking it up, you know, during that little regional banking crisis was because those companies don't have debt. So the companies that do have a lot of debt are actually beat up right now. And if you think we're not going into another regional banking crisis, if you think it's over, I don't know if it's over. Nobody has a crystal ball. Uh, but I'm taking a chance on a few companies here that maybe it's over. So there's a lot of stuff that's beat up and those airlines are beat up too. 
And it does look, of course, if tech can stay strong and recover like it's doing, of course, to keep your eyes on Bitcoin because that is going higher today. Bitcoin stocks have been pushing really strong, MicroStrategy, Riot, names like that. Can they continue to keep pushing? You're seeing uh, Riot up here in the pre-market up there towards 1367. I'm staying away from this, but then again, I've gotten Bitcoin wrong. I was looking for a pullback to 12,000. We are far from that, right? And so in this case, I'm going to just clearly say it, I'm wrong on the Bitcoin move. But at the same time, I'm wondering if these moves have gone too far because they definitely have been pushing higher. And I don't see like kind of mining being the focus of cryptocurrency moving forward. But definitely you guys are seeing some of these stocks continuing to push. What do you think about the mining stocks, Dennis, to wrap up? Um I want to actually move away from it just because we do have some breaking news that just came at nine o'clock. Yeah. All right. No worries. Let's go ahead. Let me wrap up this right quick here. Let me just play the disclaimer right quick and then we can go towards that breaking news here. All right. Like always, you guys check out Trade Zero. If you guys are looking for some short inventory and check it out here, we got a link for you guys to go ahead and get two weeks, uh, two months for free of zero pro. So check that out team throwing up the link right now. And what are you seeing Dennis? This is on uh, Microsoft. You said, yeah, I'm seeing um, a rumors. And again, we don't have confirmation of any of this here, but I'm seeing rumors that Microsoft is working on an AI chip. So, mm. um, which we know Microsoft's obviously very involved here. And if you look and bring up Microsoft, that's the blast off a few minutes ago here. Yep. You'll also see a counter move in Nvidia. Nvidia was way up this morning, and it's starting to leak here off of this news. Ooh. You can see clearly this news breaking. It's the surge, I believe, that's breaking the news, or, or at least you know, the, the rumor. information is what I see. Um, is the information but, is that who it is? Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the information. information. Sorry, sorry, the information. Sorry. Yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah. No worries. That's what it's all about, right? Benzinga Pro got it for us. The information reports Microsoft has been developing uh, Athena AI chip. I think that's what they're calling it. Uh, but th- this is interesting because, of course, we're seeing more and more of the battle of AI. Will this also affect Google to the downside? You can see Google taking a little bit of a downturn there. Dennis, do you think that we could see more leaking from Google? It seems as- like Microsoft is like getting into everything here. Microsoft yeah, they're trying to take some, some lunch. Oh, they some are. They're trying to eat lunch here. I'm, I, and again, I've sold my Google for that reason. I actually am concerned that you know they have this you know ninety four percent market share in search, or whatever. And if they start to lose some of that, it is concerning. And I had my Google for a lot of years. It was one of my best long term trades. That Mastercard. Um, you know, I don't even know what I ended up being up on it at the end, but it was mostly gain. You know, when I sold it. So, um, yeah. So it sucks to pay taxes, but at the same time, I mean. It's PE is, is, is okay. It's reasonable. I am somewhat concerned that Microsoft could start eating some of their lunch. I wish Microsoft had a PE of 20. I really do. I just can't bring myself to pay 30, but and it's been going up. It was 25. I didn't want to bring myself to pay 25. Now it's 29. I mean, it keeps continuing to go up. But as they continue to get into other stuff, Microsoft's doing a lot of things right right now. And, you know, obviously this is hitting NVIDIA here this morning. I don't know why NVIDIA, oh, it had an upgrade this morning. NVIDIA was way up this morning. Yeah, it was, it was the old upgrade. Uh, upgrade, upgrade, and then downgrade. I think it was HSBC. HSBC, yeah. HSBC. There Actually you go. You upgraded see? it from buy, from their You know, their you know what's interesting so for me is I really think that, um, and this is me going out on a little limb, and you guys know I'm normally a bear on Apple. I think we're going to get a new all-time high on Apple. I really do feel like that's going to happen. And what is it going to take? Some AI talk. 
Uh, That would do it. Give me some AI talk from Apple. I know they're probably working on something. They see all this working out. They have a lot of cash to spend. So it's not like they don't have the cash to spend to make new products. So I would definitely focus on this to see if maybe they uh, expand Siri with some AI technology and make that, you know, come to iPhones, right? Who knows? I'm just, you know, speculation here, pure speculation, but I could see Apple pushing towards new highs. That's why definitely not a single thought in shorting Apple here. I think this could keep pushing. Great point. And if anything, be at 180. If it gets to 180, guess what everyone's going to be talking about? What bear market? Where'd it go? Because it's gone. It's been leading us. Microsoft and Apple have been leading us. And it's a great point. I mean, you get any AI talk coming out of Apple and it could take us to 180. I mean, you got to watch for those headlines. Um, obviously, you know, I've thought IBM could maybe come out with an AI headline. They don't do anything. IBM just does everything wrong and probably <laughs> sold because they can't seem to do anything right. I feel like Palantir is like the first thing on their website, you know. So I'm yeah. trying to get a little bit involved in the catch-up AI trade. Maybe Apple's a sneaky one. But um, we'll see. Yeah, there's there's definitely this AI thing isn't going away. I, I agree. And just to kind of mention two uh, smaller AI names that we're moving, BBAI and Sound, S-O-U-N. We'll keep watch on AI plays. Of course, be careful with those out there. Those are fast movers. We'll see you like always tomorrow. Dennis, you do yeah. what you do best. Go get to your trading action, my friend. That's good. All right, Dennis is out of here. I'm going to bring us over, of course, to live trading. That's coming up next. And, of course, we'll have a little bit of some all access at the end of that. But I want to see you guys over on live trading. I was able to kill it yesterday. Really good day for me. Really ready to get back after it. I do have some trades on, some swings right now in some healthcare names. One doing pretty decent, DHR, Danaher, uh, leading diagnostics tool maker, is no longer interested in acquiring Calident. Of course, uh, that CTLT, Bloomberg reported that. So I'm going to take a look at that stock. You guys come over right now to live trading and check out what I got involved right now. What am I going to get into today? And like always, see what our process goes into the market. Smash the like. We'll see you guys a little bit later. And just for everybody in the book club, sending out an email. It's already been sent out this morning. We will be doing our makeup session from Sunday. We're going to do it tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern. I was going to do it tonight, but just want to make sure we have everything ready to go and everybody there. So 6 p.m. tomorrow Eastern, we're going to do a weekday session for the book club. For So if you ever were in the book club or want to join and get into it, check it out. You guys can check it out at least on the weekday this week. So I'll throw up the link right now. If you guys want to get there, we'll see you guys a little bit later this week on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Our only exclusive group right here on this channel. You guys smash the like. We'll see you guys a little bit later right now on Live Trading.